0: Later this week, I will have lived through the terms of 16 presidents and 15 vice presidents, 16 different people serving as president pro tempore of the Senate, leading the Senate when the vice president's not available, and 12 different speakers of the House. Now, some of them served more than one term, and uh, there were vice presidents who then went on to become president, and so that's a total of 54 different people serving in those four positions during my lifetime. I wouldn't want to represent any one of them, but we have the amazing opportunity, the privilege of representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The one who is true and righteous altogether. Don't you wish we could say that about a few of our politicians? The one who has no shadow of turning and no darkness at all. Whose word is settled and unchanging and who has infinite wisdom. And we get to follow him. Today we're continuing a series called Mission possible. God has called you and I to serve him on planet earth, and every believer is gifted and called to serve. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to read a few of these verses. When Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he wrote to a group of believers. Uh, He helped start that church and got it going and he taught there for a year and a half and then he went on and did other mission works because he was a missionary and an evangelist who traveled. And so Paul went and he ministered to a lot of other people too. And then uh, he wrote letters back to some of these cities where he'd been in before and he wrote at least three letters to the church in Corinth. The Holy Spirit only kept a couple of them for us. 1 and 2 Corinthians. Those were the ones preserved and included in the Scripture. But in 1 Corinthians, he wrote about something else he'd written to them in Corinth. And he in in 1 uh, Corinthians, he said, uh, they didn't quite get it, so maybe he didn't express it well, so now he's doing it better. But 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians deal with problems in the church. In, in fact, uh, uh, when he ministered in California, Chuck Swindoll used to said, say it was first and second Corinthians uh, Californians because uh, they lived like the people in Corinth lived instead of like you're supposed to live. But Paul's writing this letter of correction, but he's not just correcting them. He's not just fussing at them. It's not all down boy, you know. He, he wants to reward them and encourage them. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he's encouraging them about their opportunity to serve and represent God on earth. Now, Jesus Christ had an incarnation that's unique. Jesus Christ had, uh, was fully God in heaven, and then he became both fully God and fully man. He stepped into humanity. But you and I have a little I incarnation. He had the big I, the incarnation. But we have the Holy Spirit of God living inside us. So we have a little incarnation. God in the flesh working in us and through us. And so uh, we need to know what our calling is, what God's purpose is in our life. And part of his purpose is the same for every single one of us. And this is a little part of it right here in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. Paul said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You're not just upgraded. There's something new about you. You now have the Holy Spirit inside you. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, some of us were a mess before we got saved, and we can vividly see the difference between before Christ and after Christ. Some of you got saved when you were young. You don't really see that significant of a difference, but you are still a new creation, and God is working in your life in a new and dramatic and dynamic way. Look at verse 18. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Did you know every one of you is called into the ministry? The ministry of reconciliation. It doesn't mean that God wants every person in here to end up being a pastor or an evangelist, but you are called to minister in his name among the people on planet Earth. Then notice what he says in verse 19. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. This is God's calling in your life and mine. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Father, as we look in your Word today and as we think about uh, your calling in our life and your desire in us, we pray that we would learn and grow and be encouraged and that we would leave this place to go and be faithful for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the first part of your calling. You are an ambassador for Christ. Now, there's two things about being an ambassador. One, you're an ambassador for, the other is your an ambassador to. So if we send an ambassador to the Philippines, they would be the United States ambassador to the Philippines. But they're there for the United States to represent our interest. And you are an ambassador for Christ to the people Christ brings in your path. Now the last couple of weeks, God hasn't brought very many people in my path. We've been quarantined because Megan just had the gall to catch COVID from somebody, and <laughs> no, we're still not exactly sure where she got it. But uh, but Megan caught COVID, and she had, thankfully had a very mild case, and so she's able to be back here with us. But we spent a couple of weeks, and and I felt like we had it bad, but Megan had it worse because she was quarantined within the quarantine, you know. She, she only came out of her bedroom to eat or use the bathroom. She, she was in her room almost the whole time. We hardly saw her. And uh, in fact, <laughs> we texted each other <laughs> from my room to her room in the back. To, we were working on some things, and so we texted back and forth. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I didn't get to see anybody, talk to anybody. It's harder right now to be an ambassador for Christ. It's a greater challenge. Even when you see people, you're supposed to keep your distance from them, and you wear a mask. And you know, you know, a couple months ago, if you tried to walk into a store wearing a mask, and uh, they'd have arrested you. And now uh, everybody's supposed to do it. It's it's different world. So you got to be a little more creative. You've got to work what works. For you, some people are trying that online, talking to their neighbors. You know, I had a conversation with a neighbor the other week because every day I would still go out and walk a little bit every morning. And so I had a conversation with a neighbor, and I told him we had COVID in our house so he wouldn't get closer. So he stayed on one side of the street, I stayed on the other, and we talked to each other a little bit. And uh, I, I encouraged him in the Lord, you know, you can do what you can, under the circumstances that we have. But don't just say, oh, you know, COVID's out there, I don't have this responsibility anymore. All right, I want you to notice four things in this short passage, all right? In verse 17, there is new life, salvation, a new creation. See, before you receive Jesus Christ as your savior, the scripture calls you spiritually dead. You are spiritually dead. And then when you receive Christ, you now have spiritual life inside you that didn't exist before. And so I know there's people who, they make a profession of faith, but it doesn't change their life. I doubt whether they really have trusted Christ. Because when you trust Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you. if you're a mess before you trust Christ, it's still going to be a mess for a while. I was a teenage alcoholic when I got saved. I struggled with alcohol for a couple years after I got saved. And, and it has still had a control, a hold in my life. I was able to get over it, get beyond it. It's been a long time. Uh, and I praise the Lord for that deliverance. But, but some things change immediately. And you know, it's kind of funny in my own life, the thing I noticed right away is I never had a conscience when I was a kid. I never, ever felt guilty about anything. Drove my parents nuts. I never felt guilt. I never had a conscience. It just didn't bother me. In fact, if I got in trouble, the only thing I was upset about is that I got in trouble. I never felt guilty for anything that I'd done. And then I got saved, and now suddenly I started feeling guilty for things. I praise God He gave me a conscience, you know? I didn't have that before. Now, some of you can't imagine what it's like to live like that. I can't either, because Christ has changed my life. I can't even remember what it was like to live like that. My siblings tell stories, but God has changed you. You have new life in Christ. And even if you got saved 50 years ago, today is a new day in Christ. All right, here's the second part of this newness in verse 18: a new perspective. He has given you the ministry of reconciliation. So Before you trust Christ, your real passion might be making money or excelling in school or being a gifted musician or a a sports or that could be your your love. But then in Christ, now you have a new job. You are a reconciler. See, in our world, our world, they they use this analogy, it's a dog-eat-dog world. That means that you don't look out for other people, that you take care of yourself, you do what's best for you all the time. That's what the world says. But the scripture says the opposite. You look out for other people. God's answer to Cain, yes, you are your brother's keeper. You have an assignment to other people. Paul said to the church in Philippi, you look not on your own needs, but look on the needs of other people. And here he says, you now have the the ministry of reconciliation. So if you're a Christian cop and you go arrest somebody, you should arrest them if they need to be arrested and you should process them. But as a Christian cop, you should also bring Jesus into the conversation to give them an opportunity to change the direction of their life and their eternal destiny. We no longer just do our jobs and then walk away. Um, people have this uh, kind of schizophrenic thing that you're, you're, you have certain things that are Christian and certain things that are secular. And so, like, if you're not working at a church, then you have a secular job. No, you have a ministry of reconciliation in whatever job you have, whether it's selling real estate or uh, being a school teacher or being a nurse. uh, You have a job that your main duty by God is to reconcile people to himself. And you can influence people for A new perspective so that when somebody like that movie we saw about this lady and she's there and she's talking to this young man who is directly responsible for the death of her own son and she felt the Holy Spirit of God tell her she had the potential to deliver this young man and express forgiveness to him and so she did it. And then she got to see that young man get saved, trust Christ as his Savior, and now he's married and and doing better. This that video's about ten years old, but but uh, his life was transformed because one Christian took seriously the ministry of reconciliation, trying to bring people to God. All right, then. Thirdly, there's new priorities. In verse 19, he talks about carrying on the ministry of Christ and seeing redemption and reconciliation throughout the pages of Scripture, the word of reconciliation. So God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, and now we are carrying on the ministry of Christ, reconciling the world to God. That's our assignment, and we see that throughout Scripture, and we see and know the truth. We now have new priorities, so that um, I I can remember uh, when right before I got saved, our church was in a a building program, and they were building uh, a new auditorium, and in that new auditorium, you could give money to help buy pews um, because they had Pews like we used to in in this building, and and uh, chairs work better, so we switched to chairs. And uh, in fact, when we first switched to chairs from the pews, I think I rearranged the chairs every week for about two months. Drove the ushers nuts, but uh, it, it was fun for me. Uh, and and so we. But you could help buy pews. You could help buy hymnals. We have hymnals here. That we have some songs that are not in the hymnals. So we project all the music, all the words up. And uh, but uh, I bought a hundred hymnals, and I, my sisters and I bought a pew. And so our there's a plaque was in that church that this pew provided by you know Terry and Denise and Lori. And. Then in the hymnals, when you'd open up the hymnal in that church, there was a, a little sticker on the front of it that said, this hymnal provided by. And so, and I always tried to sit somewhere where I could use my own hymnal. You know? <laughs> oh, so did she. <laughs> That's great. Uh, this hymnal provided by Terry Green. So, uh, but I wasn't saved. I did that to impress people. That was a lot of money for a teenage kid to do. I didn't get any spiritual benefit from it at all because I didn't do it with a spiritual motive. I did it to impress other people. And my youth pastor was so impressed he got up in church and talked about it in front of the whole church. I didn't really count on that, but you know, when I got saved and when I trusted Christ, now. I have a different ministry and priorities change. My priority for giving was no longer, hey, how can I get the attention of other people? It was, how can I bless the Lord? How can I further his work? Uh, And so your priorities change when you receive Christ as your savior. The third part in, in verse 20 is you have a new calling. You are now an ambassador for Christ. This is a new calling and and it's not just, uh, it's not what you've been doing, but it's what you're supposed to be doing from the point of salvation to the end of your life. So to help us understand ambassadors, I looked up the history of it. and I actually read a book written by an ambassador um, just to, to think about what, being an ambassador was like. And 700 years ago, Italy was broken into smaller states, each was, of which was sovereign, and they were in competition with the other states. So the smaller states would then ha- send an ambassador to the larger states so that the larger state wouldn't make rules and regulations that made it more difficult for the small state. They wanted to kind of, so they sent an ambassador to represent them in the other state. And then if you've read in the 1400s and 1500s, there was called the Italian Wars. The Italians were stirring things up all over Europe. And so Italy spread this idea all over Europe. And so ambassadors became part of uh, entrenched in world politics. They, They are part of the system of world politics. And so today countries have entire diplomatic cores and there's all kinds of different job descriptions and levels, but the highest of all the levels is ambassador. And so the United States has ambassadors in certain countries and uh, sometimes a country will recall an ambassador because they want to shun the other country. And, and so there's countries where we have not had an ambassador like Cuba. And there's countries where we've had an ambassador the whole time, like Canada. And so we have connections with people. But ambassadors exist to influence others in favor of their home country. Now, it's not an easy task. U.S. ambassadors have been killed while serving on the job. The most recent was Benghazi, but that was certainly not the first ambassadors... Ambassadors have been killed in Guatemala, Khartoum, Cyprus, Beirut, Kabul, and some ambassadors get recalled from duty. They get fired. Uh, They either didn't represent their home country well or didn't uh, mesh. They stirred up problems in the host country. So here's the, the difficulty of being ambassador. Ambassadors live between two cultures their home country, and their host country. And to do the job well, they need to thrive in both countries, in both cultures. Ambassadors try to honorably represent their home country in a foreign culture. But to do it well, the ambassador has to thrive on both sides representing his home country well and fitting into the culture of the country in which he lives. And so uh, in this uh, book that I read, the uh, author said as as an ambassador, she knew that it was her responsibility to act according to the president's objectives. You serve at the pleasure of the president. And... So ambassadors advise governors, they advise uh, presidents of countries, uh, they advise senators here in the United States, and they try and do two things. They try and build a bridge of understanding from their home country to their host country, and from their host country to their home country. They try and bridge that gap of understanding to make it fit together. They have to adapt to the culture in which they live without compromising their representing of their home country. So, spiritually, we are ambassadors for Christ. So, since we are ambassadors for Christ, what would be our home country? Heaven. We represent heaven. What would be our host country? Planet Earth, wherever you are on planet Earth, whether you're in a normal place like the United States or one of those weird foreign countries like Texas. Uh, you know, you, you represent God here on Earth. And so uh, it's, it's a challenge. And one of the problems that we have is there's some evil in our culture. And because there's some evil in our culture, we run away from all of it. And see, if Christians were more engaged in the culture, they would have more opportunity to influence the culture. I'm not saying you, you know. I, I watched a show once. It was supposed to be a Christian television show uh, program. It, it was uh, it was supposed to be presenting the truth of Scripture, and and this woman said that before she got saved, she had this lewd job. Uh, she was a dancer in a very inappropriate way, and that was before she got saved. So then after she got saved, she talked to the owner of the nightclub and asked if after she did her sensual dancing, then she could talk to them about Jesus. Okay, That's not an appropriate fitting into our culture. You can't take sensual attraction and spiritual things and fit them together. The Bible very adamantly says you can't do that. So what could she have done? Well, I think she should have got a new job. And then in her new job, talk about Christ. Because she's a new person. And whatever, everybody has some skills and abilities they can use to exalt Christ. But we need to realize we need to do both fit into the culture enough to have an impact, but never fit into the culture so much we lose the approval of our home country, heaven. And so we have Christians acting exactly like the world and think they're doing a good job of fitting into the culture, but they're not doing a good job of representing the home country and we need to do both. We need to bring the home country into this culture. So there's things I did before I was saved that I've never done since I've been saved because they were inappropriate and wrong. But there were other things I did before I was saved that I continued to do after I was saved and God used that as an opportunity to influence people for Christ. I was a runner, an athlete, very competitive before I got saved. Then after I got saved, God used that and gave me opportunities to share Christ with other people, including uh, sharing Christ with the whole team recon on Camp Pendleton because I beat them in a race and they'd never lost a race. And so uh, they let me participate in their training, and I got to share Christ with them. got to see a couple of them trust Christ. I got to influence some of my co-workers to trust Christ. Well, now I work at church. My co-workers already know Christ, but it's hard. We have to try and reach out into our culture and influence people for Christ. Find something you can do to help other people. And people still need help. Maybe they need even more help now because of COVID. Reach out and do something that you can do. As an ambassador of Christ, you try to think, act like he would if he were still walking on the earth. As an ambassador for Christ, you try and do that. You think, and act like he would if he were still on the earth. I think that's a slide there. Ambassadors have authority to make agreements. Ambassadors have authority to influence. And so the head of Victory Baptist Church is not Terry Green, the pastor. The head of Victory Baptist Church is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we must make decisions that are consistent with Christ leading His church, and you live in a foreign country. The United States may be your birth country, but once you trusted Christ, the United States became a foreign country. You are a a citizen of heaven. That's your greater citizenship. We have dual citizenship. So, as a citizen of the United States, we have rights and privileges, but we are citizens of heaven that has a higher responsibility, a higher accountability than our earthly citizenship. And so, ambassadors also, they're called to serve. Now, I don't know of any person who was chosen to be an ambassador who was called to the White House and the president said, all right, there's... 200 countries out there where we have an embassy, which one would you like to serve in? What do you think the president normally does? I want you to serve here. You know, as believers, we don't get to choose always where we serve. We don't get to choose everything. I used to be a competitive runner. I loved it. I enjoyed it. In my 50s, I was still running 5Ks pretty competitively for my age group. I was even beating a few college people at triathlons, and, and now I can't run at all. In fact, the biggest challenge I now have is getting up and, and running to the bathroom when I first wake up. But I, I can't. I walk. But you know what? I can walk every day. I can't do what I used to do, but I could do something different. And God has called you to use what you have, use what you can do to serve Him to make a difference in other people's lives. And so one day I was out walking and uh, I, I was walking along Florence Boulevard. I don't usually walk where there's traffic because the fumes bother me. but. But I was, that day, I don't remember why, walking along, and I found a driver's license. And so I called to try and get a phone number and couldn't find a phone number. So I wrote a note, and I mailed it to the address, but it was an address back in Minnesota, and I found it here in Casa Grande in February. So I was guessing it was a winter visitor. And so I wrote the note, and I gave them my number, and they called me, uh, and I met the person and gave him the car, the driver's license. Um, that was a little thing I could do. Just try to reach out and talk to people. And when God opens a door like that, I talk to the person about Christ. That person was not at all interested, but who knows? Maybe we removed a barrier because I did something kind and then talked about Christ. You can't. Change people's hearts. Not even your kids, right? You can't change their hearts. Kids, you can't change your parents' hearts either. But you can influence them. And you can encourage them. You will be an imperfect representation of Jesus Christ. No one can do Jesus like Jesus did Jesus, because there's only one Jesus the Christ. But you will be an imperfect representative. But Jesus said, you'll be good enough to help point others to Christ. You'll be good enough to have an influence. You'll be good enough to make an impact. Don't sell yourself short. Just because you can't be absolutely sinlessly perfect, you can still point people to Christ. So in our ambassadorship, we experience two cultures simultaneously. Do you realize that most of the people in Casa Grande would feel uncomfortable here this morning? But you can feel comfortable here and out there because... You are a citizen of both. You represent both cultures. As an ambassador, you bridge the gap between your host country and the home country. So we bridge the gap between where people live now and where they might live someday if they trust Christ as Savior. In that video, the lady said she wanted him to trust Christ so that he could live forever with God. And the young man did. And someday we'll see that lady and that young man in heaven and the boy that died, all three in heaven. And as an ambassador, you you are an image bearer. You help people see the image of God imprinted into humanity. And then you help people... Show them what Jesus is like, who he was and what he's like. And, you know, you can do this in simple ways. You just, you're talking to somebody, they're there. I remember uh, I've had to give blood a lot. And and uh, when, it, when they do it differently now. But way back in the day when I first developed uh, blood sugar trouble and was diagnosed as diabetic, they did a five-hour f- or uh a fasting thing and then a five-hour blood test. And so they take your blood and then every 30 minutes they take more blood. And they do that over a five-hour period to see the transition in your blood. And it was I was talking with a nurse there and I said, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm really glad that medical science finally caught up to the Bible. She said, what? And I said, don't you know, you know, 200 years ago, Medical science said, when somebody's sick, you got to get as much blood out of them as you can to get rid of that blood. And now medical science says, you know what you need? You need to give them a transfusion. They don't have enough blood. Give them more. Don't take more away. And the Bible said, the life of the flesh is in the blood. And she stopped and she looked at me and said, I never knew that. And you can also tell them, you know, medical science started out, they didn't wash their hands between patients. And then they were surprised that after they did an autopsy that the next patient would die of sickness. They couldn't figure it out. And then they finally learned. And yet in the Bible, there were rules and regulations for handling meat and handling a dead body and how you cleaned up afterward. And those were included in the Scripture. So, you can talk to maybe you got a CPA working on your taxes and they, you don't know whether they're a believer or not. You can tell them, you know, the Bible says you give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and so that's why I'm filing my taxes. And introduce the biblical concept into their day and just see where it goes from there. You can make a difference that will make a difference for all eternity. And you will also receive heavenly rewards when you represent Jesus Christ in your life on earth. So when you are serving as an ambassador for Christ, you represent Jesus to people who do not know, understand, or appreciate him and you can break down some barriers, and you can encourage them. Some people are going to be agonistic toward you because they're antagonistic toward God. Did I say the right word? Antagonistic, not agonistic. They may do that to you too, but uh, they'll be antagonistic. They'll be upset. They'll be mad at you because they're mad at God, and so you represent God. When I served as a chaplain, I was out on the side of the road. There was a fatal accident over here, um, uh, just uh, Sunland Jin Road, uh, and in the on-ramp to uh, a lady lost control of her car and wrecked and rolled over, and, and she was killed. And so her family actually showed up on the scene. That's not supposed to happen. Um, we were supposed to go to their home and let them know, but they showed up on the scene. And the daughter came up to me because I was a chaplain, and she started pounding on my chest, just punching me. I had a bulletproof vest on. It wasn't really hurting me to have her hit me like that. But uh, she was just mad at God. And so the closest representative to God she had was the chaplain standing there. And when she started hitting me, officers started grabbing for their guns. And I just waved them away and I reached out and I hugged her. And eventually she stopped hitting me and started sobbing. She was just upset that her mom died. And she took that anger out on the closest person who represented God. Sometimes people will take it out on you. They'll get mad at you because you represent God. And some people will misunderstand you because they've never heard any of the truth of Scripture. And the only knowledge they have of the Bible is stuff they've picked up here and there. There's a lot of misinformation out there, including some so-called Bible scholars who are on the Internet. You know how you get to be a Bible scholar on the internet? You just declare yourself to be one. And you may have no knowledge, and some of them don't. Some of them who think they have knowledge actually haven't read the book. But you have the opportunity to show God's love and share His truth so that other people might believe and receive. But it takes time. Remember that movie? When did the young man, the video that we watched a little earlier, when did the young man get saved? How long did it take? A year. It was the anniversary of her son's death. And she first started talking to him about God at the funeral for her son. It takes time sometimes. Don't give up on people. You represent Jesus. What an awesome calling. Don't get a nameplate that says ambassador of heaven. Okay? Don't do that. Don't go into Walmart, try and grab the speaker and say, citizens of earth, I come to you as a representative of the Lord God of heaven. You know, don't do weird stuff. But don't ignore your calling. This is what God wants in you. And you can do it. And you know what? You get better at everything you work at. With practice, you can make progress. So think about what you might be able to do this week to represent God in your circle of influence, because that's where God has assigned you to serve. Father, we thank you for your amazing love and grace, for the opportunity we have to represent you, for the new life you've given us, the new mission you've given us, a new perspective and a new calling, and Lord, we just thank you so much for your love, for your grace, for for, uh, your ability to transform our lives. And we pray that we would take seriously our responsibility to represent you on planet earth. Lord, if there's one here today who's never trusted Christ, may they ask Jesus to forgive their sins and be their Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.